Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Hope you're having a good week. Listen, uh, today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Ministry Grid. Uh, you know and I know that volunteer training has always been important now, even more than ever. How are you going to get your people together and train them? What you need is an online solution. Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or if you do, it's hard to get people in the same place. Well, Ministry Grid is the simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church with a, with a library of over 3,500 videos, 850 courses. You will find training for every ministry area. And even more important, you can add custom training for you. You can add videos, PDFs, YouTube, whatever you need in there, which is incredibly important. As we all go through reopening, we're going to need to retrain all of our staff, get them re-onboarded. So this is what I want you to do. They have got a special on right now for Ministry Grid. All you need to do is go to ministrygrid.com forward slash Unseminary, it's only $597. That's ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary. All right, now let's enjoy this podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in today. Listen, uh, you know, we try to have experts and leaders and church, you know, church leaders on our show that are going to help you uh, get better at your church and to lead better and to help your teams. And today is no exception. Excited to have Rob Devaney with us. He is from a church called the Twin Rivers Church. I think you're going to love today's conversation. We're going to get into some real practical stuff, particularly as it comes to leading people. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Oh, I appreciate you giving us the time. It's going to be great. Why don't you tell us about Twin Rivers? Give us kind of the Twin Rivers story. If people were to come this weekend, what would they experience? Uh, kind of a bit of the history and then your role there. Sure, yeah. Well, Twin Rivers is actually a church that's been in St. Louis for over 90 years. Um, it started as a small denominational church and grew probably in the late 90s to um, sort of a couple thousand members. Uh, it was uh, for a season sort of like a revivalist church. So like mm. really, um, you know, big choir, you know, the kind of the 90s sort of big programs church and just won a ton of great people, lots of talent here in St. Louis. And um, in the last probably seven to eight years, went through a major transition, a pastoral change in 2014 mm -hmm. from the pastor who was here for about 27 years uh, to um, who was our executive pastor. Uh, Joe Dobbins um, was 30 when he took over or 29. Uh, so it was a major paradigm shift in our church. Mm, absolutely. Um, and so I came on as the executive pastor uh, for him and have been here a little over uh, right at five years right now. And um, mm. during that time, we've really focused Twin Rivers. Uh, we've become a multi-campus church. So we have three locations in three different counties around St. Louis. And we have um, kind of the hallmarks of what we do is we're really kind of um, value-driven church. So we have you know, eight core values that we try and implement through all our ministry strategies. We have a school of leadership. So we're really big on kind of developing people. Um, most of our school leadership students are working adults who want to be serving in the kingdom of God. They want to do more things in ministry, want to reach their potential. Um, so that's a two-year program. 
we also use that for campus development, you know, because it generates a ton of leaders, uh, people who have um, who are volunteers, but who have a real draw to ministry. So that's been exciting. We are an outreach driven church. Um, we have um, probably 12 to 15 major projects a year that we do um, for community organizations around St. Louis. So we partner with organizations that already exist. So refugee communities, single moms, senior adults, uh, in, uh, lower income communities. We work with the Dream Center here. Uh, so mm-hmm. we do a lot of that. And then also we're a life groups church. So we have about 115 life groups that across our three campuses that is sort of like it's got a coaching system and leaders who are pastoral in their connection to our people. And it's, it's a free market system. So we basically have mm. everything from sand volleyball to in-depth studies on Israel, you know, so oh, it, nice. yeah, yeah. it's a very diversified church. And um, we're finding that, uh, that it's finding a really strong place in St. Louis, which is an extremely diverse city. Um, we have, you know, people from the South and people from the North, lots of transplants into St. Louis. Um, so we're, we're really trying to be the church that reaches all areas of our community um, and just focusing on what we can do well, which I, I believe is uh, developing leaders, reaching to our community, and then, of course, having opportunities to reach around the world. Very cool. Well, there's a ton there. I appreciate that. You know, one of the things uh, that caught my attention um, in, you know, in your role, a lot of times, um, you know, executive pastors have that kind of uh, team development team, you know, setting the pace for the team. How do we ensure that, uh, you know, we're kind of all pointed in the the same direction uh, and doing that in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me about Twin Rivers as just, you know, as an outsider looking is like, wow, there's a lot going on there. It must be difficult to kind of keep, uh, to keep the team pointed in the same direction to kind of keep people aligned. Um, What are you learning on that front? How, how are you um, kind of helping your people uh, stay connected, kind of being a high performance team, being the kind of environment where, um, you know, people ultimately trust each other to say, yeah, let's, um, you know, we, we trust each other to kind of take our piece of the puzzle and right. make it happen um, and push forward. What, what are you learning on that front? Well, that's a great observation. You know, I think that lots of people want to serve on large church staffs. You know, when I was coming up, I'm going into my 20th year of ministry. I remember kind of dreaming about the huge programs and and having colleagues and just the camaraderie that would come with that. And I think um, what comes with a large church and large staff is a large responsibility. Um, and it's more, it's not just to the people we serve and the programs mm-hmm. that we create, but it really is to one another. And uh, a couple of things that I kind of live my life by, and even before I became a, an executive pastor, but definitely in this season of my life, um, is that when someone makes a decision to come on staff at our church, um, we not just, we don't just become their employer. We're also their pastor or their, and we're mm. their church family. So there has to be a balance between their family being fed and developed in uh, the church and then also them working here and performing and doing the best that they can. And it can't, when it's skewed one way or the other, uh, performance suffers, relationship suffers. So um, I, I came into a really healthy church but we were kind of forging new territory the moment I came in. So matter of fact, one of my first things uh, immediately, we had to hire a children's pastor and I feel like I've been hiring staff for five years. You know, there's not been really a break. (laughs) And so I've had a lot of conversations with people asking them 
you know, about their skills, what they bring to the table, but then also they want to know a lot about what our culture is. And I think as an executive team member, as an executive pastor, I have a strong responsibility to protect the culture of our church, which I believe has to be high trust. Now, we operate a lot like a business, right? So we have manuals and strategies and, uh, you know, you you definitely have to put in a request for your time off and you have to live by those rules because we're a large organization, but you also have to be a high trust organization, which to me means that, um, you know, I can trust my supervisor to be honest with me. They're not manipulating me. They're not trying to get uh, the most amount of work out of me. They're actually trying to pastor me and develop me to be the best leader I can be. Because if I'm leading a staff member, I want them to fulfill the calling that God put in their life as much as I want to fulfill the calling I have in my own. And so um, that high trust environment where I can sit across the table from someone I'm overseeing and be honest with them and love them through a mistake or love them through a trial in their life or maybe they're suffering in their personal life and their marriage and still see them accomplish the big task that's in front of them as well. So that's a delicate balance. Yeah, absolutely. We work on that every day. Literally that is every day. Yeah. So the thing, so there's a lot there. So a a couple things I want to unpack there. So I have found that it seems like staff leadership in a lot of churches err on one of two extremes. One end is the, and you, the fascinating thing about what you talked about there is you actually mentioned both of them. One is, Hey, my job is to pastor my team. And, and so what the kind of the negative or the, maybe the, um, could be unhealthy extreme of that is we have staff that are just worried about like, Hey, where are people at personally? Are they, you know, or do they feel personally fulfilled in this mission? You know, where are they at? And obviously those are important things, Mm -hmm. but the other side of it is we are an organization and we have organizational goals that we need to get done. And the, and that's the, the kind of, um, the danger on the other end is the all business executive pastor. The, um, you know, I don't really care what's going on with your soul. I just want you to get stuff done. Right. Um, and you know, you seem to be, even in just what you talked about there, you've been able to, to manage both of those tensions, to hold those somehow to build high trust teams that both people feel like they're thriving in. Um, and also the, you know, the organization's getting stuff done. Right. Can you unpack what you're doing, uh, to help, really encourage that kind of environment? Sure. Well, I think it starts with yourself, right? You have to lead yourself first. So um, I have people in my life, including my lead pastor, who does that for me. So basically, uh, you know, my relationship with Pastor Joe is we're opposites in a lot of ways, which means I can bring things to the table, feel valuable in what I contribute, because I'm going to bring a perspective maybe that he doesn't have. And he trusts me and, and, and tells me all the time, you can speak your heart, you can tell me what you think. And so there, and then I'm also giving him permission to say, hey, Rob, you're leaning too heavily on this or whatever, because I'm, I'm much more... Um, I'm a collaborative leader. A lot of times, if if the if it's healthy to do that, um, you know, I I like consensus. I I love relationship. I'm a people person. So I'm actually not as organized as a lot of the executive pastors I know. I mean, I've forced myself to become more organized, but I have to surround myself with people that lift me up. So it kind of helps me stay grounded in my weaknesses and my strengths, so that I can do that for my team. Um, What I keep saying to people, and I say this to our volunteers as well, if you have said to us, God's called you to this, 
then we have a responsibility to help you do that well. So we're going to get you through this crisis, but the goal is still in front of us. So once we've talked out whatever this is, it's an emotional challenge, whatever, um, we need to get our eyes back on the goal. And that's not callous or cold. That is me helping you accomplish what you said God called you to do. And um, that conversation, you know, it's different for every person. And I, I, I don't want to say too much, but I will say, that we also lean heavily into understanding one another. So we Mm. do personality profiles, spiritual gifts, and we talk about them. So I have to approach, if I'm supervising a group of people, I approach them differently based on how they hear things, how they process information, what motivates and drives them. And, And my lead pastor does that to our executive team as well. So he knows that there are certain drivers that help me be motivated and things that demotivate me as well. So in our relationship, we develop sort of relational intelligence so that we can push one another, but not too hard and not too far. So to get the most amount. And and I think people appreciate that when you get to know them, when you get to see how they tick and what motivates them and you push them in that direction, I, I really think it makes the team feel like there's a win there, like they can actually succeed. Mm, very cool. Um, you know, one of the things that I think um, church leaders or, or maybe, you know, staff, people who are leading staff um, can find themselves really struggling with is this idea of um, the balance between, you know, offering accountability and then celebrating what's working well. Um, how do you how do you actually do that? How are you, um, what does that actually look like within your teams, maybe with the people you supervise or with the people they supervise? How are you coaching others to ensure that, yes, we're, we're, we're pushing towards goals, uh, but then we're also celebrating along the way. I know I just, maybe I'm just confessing here to you. This is like my public confessional. I'm the kind of leader, Enneagram three, I'm the kind of person that like, Hey, when we, when something great happens, I'm like, that's amazing. Let's go on to the next hill. And I, <laughs> right. you know, I don't actually slow down. Um, and that can be a problem. Sure. Uh, or that is a problem. Uh, so how, how are you doing that? How are you encouraging people to actually accomplish what we need to do, but at the same time celebrating where things, uh, you know, when we kind of things do go well? So kind of a rule I live by is to celebrate in public and correct in private. Um, mm, that's good. So, you know, you don't walk into the team and go, okay, you know, I don't have a John on my staff, so I'll use that name. Uh, you know, hey, John, listen, the next time you do that, uh, you know, where you're going to be written up in front of the whole team, you know, you pull John in and you say, I don't know what you're thinking here, but let's talk about why you made that mistake. And then when John wins at it, you walk into the whole team and go, let's, let's give John a hand for, for, for accomplishing this. And so they know that they can fail and there's a safety net, but that safety net stops with you. Um, unless there's some kind of rebellion, of course, the Bible talks about us bringing, you know, more people in if you have to do corrective, uh, things, but that's the kind of rule I live by. So, um, you know, uh, what was the second part of what you said there? You were talking about um, how do we sell? Oh, the pause. So basically, in my opinion, lots of churches forget to celebrate things. So um, we force ourselves to do that in front of the congregation. So um, if there's a huge win, that the, a goal that the church accomplished, we're not patting ourselves on the back, but we work that into a story. So right. we kind of have a system. So if we're going to tell the congregation something, we tell the staff first. And then the staff tells their volunteer team leaders next, and then we tell the church. So that gives us a it's kind of an appropriate pause to celebrate something because it's got a system to it. Um, and we don't run right past it. Now, 
by the time the church would find out about something amazing we've done, we have moved on. But for the people that were involved in accomplishing it, they've spent an appropriate amount of time talking about that win. Right. That's good. Um, when you think about, so part of leading in, the, in in any organization, there are those times where we just bump into tough conversations, right? Where we're like, hey, we've got to, um, you know, we've got to encourage, you know, this, this conversation to happen. Um, I, I'm sure you're, you know, you're good at that. You're good at going to your people about that. But when you see a team member who maybe is avoiding that conversation, who's mm-hmm. avoiding holding their team member accountable. Um, so when it's that kind of two, you know, two steps away from you, right. how are you coaching the people, uh, the supervisors in that scenario to actually lean in and have those tough conversations? So I lean into the why a little bit because I want, when I find a team member, for instance, has to have a tough conversation. And a lot of times it would be maybe with a volunteer or lay leader or a kind of younger staff under them. Um, cause we don't have many tiers, you know, there's a, a few tiers below me, but, um, so a lot of times they're, they're struggling with that conversation because they don't believe in it. Um, because, you know, there may be, they know it's right to do, but they haven't wrestled with the why in their own heart. Um, when you're convinced of something, when you're confident of something, um, you have a, kind of an urgency to help the people you love understand that. Um, right. And so uh, now that's not always the case. A lot of times a person's personality is conflict avoidance. And so we would have a conversation if that's the case about, hey, what do leaders do? Leaders have to speak the truth. Leaders have to take the opportunity in front of them because we don't waste the chance to help this person that has been entrusted to you become all that God wants them to be. So you have to have the conversation because God's put you in this place to be the leader. A lot of times that takes some coaching like, you know, here's what I would say in that if I were you. Here's what I would do if they respond in this direction. Um. But Almost when somebody like role playing it a little bit, role playing how that could go. Absolutely. Role play is huge. And we do that at every level. So um, even if, uh, you know, I'm approaching a tough conversation, even if I'm confident about it, I'll role play it with my lead pastor and say, hey, I was thinking about saying this. What do you think about that? You know, um, you know, what's what's the outcome? And and that's just so important for us to be prepared in that way. Right. That's good. How, you know, this current season we find ourselves in, uh, we were joking before we started recording. I don't know. Is it post COVID intra COVID where we're somewhere in here, <laughs> you know, I, I how think has, it's how, crazy, Rich. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Intra crazy. Yeah, that's true. How is that impacted from, a you know, building high trust teams? What, what is that? You know, how is that rolled out? How are you encouraging conversations? You know, I find myself thinking, you know, that I, I know there are team members who maybe aren't as, they're not as open with fears they may have in this season, you know, they're, or they may not trust the decisions that are being made because frankly, this has never been done before, you know, re-entry. I know we're all wrestling with re-entry, reopening issues. Um, so how, how are you leading through that? What are you learning, you know, new in this season, um, you know, just around all those issues? Well, this is our reopening week. Uh, so we, <laughs> great. So, <laughs> thanks for, so you're right in week. it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, so we basically, we, we reopen Saturday. So our first service is Saturday night and, um, Mm -hmm. we have done some prep with our volunteers and teams. So we've already had leaders and volunteers in the room. Um, Mm -hmm. and we've had to wrestle with what their reaction has been. You know, we put out sort of a system of what it looks like to reopen probably three weeks ago. So we're kind of decided we were done with being pushed around by every new announcement So we were going to kind of pray about it, come to a conclusion of what we were going to look like. And then we put that out there. We're going to trust that 
um, we, we could bring people along. Okay, so um, but that started with our staff, and I think the way that we've led through it is listening a lot. Um, I think we definitely have had to ask tough questions to reveal things that people were feeling um, because they don't always offer it. But I will tell you that if you when you face a crisis, you actually learn what kind of environment you have. So, mm, um, so true. we could say basically that I felt feel like my team trusts me, but I learned if they do or not through this season. Um, and one of the, I would say for us, the toughest conversations came in the very beginning um, mm. because we ha- immediately, we took a church that was running three campuses and shifted it to one focused online recording um, who's going to be in the room, how many people can be in the room, um, what that room looks like, what the product will be and the time it takes to produce it. Everybody had a different opinion. And mm-hmm. um, so I was, I think me and my counterparts on the executive team were literally having constant conversations with every person that involved to talk through why they were fearful, talk through what they believed and got people to a place of honesty early on. Um, that was not easy. And I'm going to tell you, I I think for the first two weeks, my highest stress was not about what our world was going through. It was trying to grab onto the things that our staff was going through. Right. And, you know, Trying and then, of course, yeah. yeah, to understand what they were facing. And then I, have, of course, had to face it with my own family. But um, yeah. that was that was a tough thing. I, I think getting through it early, though, helped us on the back end. Interesting. Now, yeah, how is that, would you say, you know, kind of the before and after on that? How has that helped you now that you're in this phase, which is, you know, this, the reopening, um, I, I, I kind of smiled there. I, I know the language. I, I get what you're saying. This idea of reopening week, you know, we're beginning the reopening process. It's not like, it's like, oh, we got that done. Bang that out. Oh, you yeah. know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, how has that helped you in this phase as you're, you know, now dealing with some new uncertainties, you know, how many people are going to show up? You know, kids ministry people worried about it. You know, can we make this thing safe enough? All those those types sure. of issues. Well, I definitely think it helped everybody can just be open and honest early on. If you were open with your supervisor and talked about how you felt, I had a lot of staff members with differing opinions. You know, all the way from the government can't control us to uh, I'll see you when we have a vaccine. You know, so that mm-hmm. all that stuff uh, is a, a, a myriad of decisions and, and belief systems really getting us back to center of what our purpose was and, and what continue to be. And so we focusing on that. So anytime we kind of run off on a rabbit trail, we can easily go, okay, but our role is, and let's do that together. Um, so you may, you know, the other thing is, you know, I'm looking at how other staff members approach this and I think I'm taking it more seriously than they are. All of that. Mm. We've tried to pull people back to, you know what, none of all of that sideways energy. We really need to focus on who we are and what we're accomplishing here and allow the Lord to encourage people's hearts and, you know, and okay, so that person's not taking this seriously. I'm going to have a conversation with them, but that's my job, not yours. And so let's trust me to push that forward. It's made this time much more we're able to celebrate it, I think. Um, and we've done it slowly for our leaders. So they've become you know, acclimated to the idea that we're coming back to normal. We, I'll just tell you a quick story. We um, haven't officially opened our offices yet. Kind of every team is doing like, Hey, you guys come in two days or you guys come in three days or whatever. But last t- this Tuesday was a day when a, a huge chunk of our young staff was back in the office. 
So we found a restaurant that would allow us to be together and we went and had lunch. And about 30 minutes in, somebody spoke up and said, do you realize we haven't done this in three months? And it was like a moment of clarity. And then everybody was like, I I forgot how much I missed this. And then it kind of went sort of back to normal. Interesting. Interesting. That's cool. Well, you know, I think one of the things we know as leaders, there's this role of, you know, our job is to be optimistic about our people to say like, hey, we, um, you know, we, we kind of, in some ways, we have to see the best in our people, sometimes even more than they see it, right? To be like, sure. no, I think you can do this. You can take this ball and, and run with it. Um, what coaching would you give to us when it comes to, or even our own mindset, when it comes to our people, you know, maybe the teams we lead, that sort of thing? How, how should we be, be thinking about the people that we lead? Well, I think I think people that attend a church and uh, have committed themselves to a pastoral relationship want two things. I think they want to be heard. I definitely think if there's a fear or um, a struggle, they want to know that they can talk about it and not be branded or judged or you know really just heard. And then I think they want to be led. So um, I think we can't shy away from the fact that we're still leaders. Uh, all the promises of God, all the things that he's given us to help encourage people in other crises still exist in these times. And so it's not wrong to hear someone out and then say, this is the step I think you should take. And most people, I think, uh, from you know the most infrequent attender who might open up and talk about their, their own journey, um, are willing to hear that out. Um, they expect leaders to lead. And I think that we have to remind ourselves about that a lot because we think in these moments we have to be sort of like um, a politician at a town hall where we're taking all these opinions and we can't do anything about them. We're just supposed to placate. And that's not true. The, the church that represents the heart of Christ is to move people forward in their relationship with Jesus. And that includes times of fear and crisis. So what we, the approach we've taken is reach out to everybody on your team. Find out where they're, they are and meet them there. So if they are not ready to come back, give them a solution to serve without coming back. Mm. And so yeah. for for instance, uh, one of our prayer team members messaged, I'm not coming back. I'm very nervous. I don't want to be a part of this. You know, let's unpack that a little bit. Okay, that's fine. What are you going to do in the meantime? And they called me yesterday and said, you know what? I'm comfortable going to our prayer chapel and interceding during the worship service. I won't be in the sanctuary, but I'll be there still in the building praying for our teams and, and the people who might give their heart to Christ. And that person was brought along through relationship. And um, and I think that's how you have to handle it. It does mean a ton of conversations. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, this is, uh, you know, super fascinating. I, I love uh, the thing I, I love through this whole conversation it goes back to what I said right at the beginning. You know, you ha- clearly have shown the ability to both care for people, but then also push for, you know, delivery. And I think that's good coaching for all of us as we're, you know, trying to lead. You know, it's always good advice, uh, good things for us to wrestle through. How are we holding those intention? But I think, sure. particularly in this season, I think, um, you know, we're going to have to think differently. I think. You know, we're, there's obviously a certain amount of reopening recovery that's happening, but, you know, we are entering into a bit still into some unknown in the coming weeks and months. And so, you know, we're going to have to keep coming back to some of these basics. This is uh, fantastic. Is there anything else you'd uh, like to share, some coaching you'd love to give us around this whole area as we kind of come to land the plane here? Yeah, you know, I just think it is important that we, we stay hopeful and we speak about hope. Um, you know, we've kind of instructed uh, sort of one another in our staff had come to a conclusion with everything that's going on around the world. 
when it comes to what we say on social media, we just need to push people back to Christ, that their hope is in him. Um, it's easy to think that my struggle or what I'm going through or what I see, how it's affecting me is unique. And the enemy likes to isolate people. Um, and so we, we try and talk about how um, we're kind of not, not little phrases like we're all in this together, it, that Christ is with all of us and he knows what you're going through and he can, he can help you through it as much as he can help me through it. So um, he loves us the same. He's committed to us the same. And so I think that's really important for leaders to remain hopeful. So, um, you know, we do talk about issues. We, we don't shy away from what the culture is going through, but when we do it, we want our voice to be lent to finding truth and mm. not coming up with some kind of man-made answer. Um, it is important to be caring and uh, relevant, but also know that if we truly believe the word of God is relevant, we can push people back to that for their solution. And lots of people, um, you know, they'll say, oh, don't give me that right now. I'm, I'm in a crisis or whatever. But I think we believe the Bible doesn't return void when we speak it. So speaking mm -hmm. that hope into people's lives in a loving way, truth and grace combined together is what will push people back to their center, which is their relationship with Christ. So the whole world can fall apart and may someday, probably will, mm -hmm. but we still have our hope in Christ. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you being on the show today. If people want to track with you, you know, connect with you, connect with the church, where should we be sending them online? Well, you go to twinrivers.church. So that's the name of our church. It's also our web address. All Everything that we do is on there, including our messages, our values. There's uh, lots of great stuff on our YouTube page, which is just Twin Rivers Church. So I just encourage you to check that out. Um, we we really try and uh, help lots of churches. So we make every resource we have available with, you know, when it comes down to how we do our life groups or, you know, how we approach outreach or how we do our missions trips, everything like that. We'll send any pastor that needs it. Um, so all of our staff is on there as well. So you can email us directly from the page, our team page and uh, learn more about what we do. Rob, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks so much for taking time to invest in us. Really appreciate it. Rich, thank you so much, man. God bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>